Hey, yo. Welcome back to Rising from the Ashes. I'm Daniel Naki Dan. And I am Adahelmi Romy. What is happening? What's the haps on today's show, man? Uh, we're going to start off with some RFTA news segment. I'm going to talk about some plant medicine and the plasma apocalypse. Um, we're going to toss it over to you to do some megalithic structure. And we're going to finish off our questions finally, and then yeah, we're going finally. to give a little sa- give a little saucy debrief about um, our first episode into the delving of the tribe of Dan and your theory that you've uh, that you've uh, done a lot of hours of research to to put together, bro. For sure. First of all, let's uh, let's thank everybody. Thank you for listening you. to the show. Uh, we we appreciate you. it. You can definitely uh, send us some emails at risingftashes at yahoo.com. And you can look us Yahoo. up on Instagram at the same name. Send us your comments, man. We want to hear from you guys. We want to hear uh, what you don't like, what you do like, your ideas for shows, anything. Let us know. We want to try to be interactive with this so it's not just about us you know we want to incorporate our audience into our show and uh absolutely good show for everyone because we're doing it for you plus we're doing it because because we love it and your mom asked us to and you don't want to let your mom down we love your mom don't let your mom down (laughs) (laughs) that's stupid (laughs) i'll cut it out anyway perfect (laughs) All right, let's uh, let's go to Homie Romy with some RFTA news. Hello, welcome to this day's edition of RFTA news, plant medicine. Today, we are going to talk about a beautiful tree called Albizia or the mimosa tree. It is an amazing tree that has fern-like leaves. They look like a fern. Uh, like a lady fern, to be exact, and they have beautiful pink cotton ball-like flowers. Super awesome. And what's even more awesome than the beautiful aesthetics is the medicinal uses of this tree. Now, chances are you've probably seen one of these. Um, They were planted in America, not uh, for medicinal uses, but because of its beauty, right? So we're going to talk about the traditional uses of albizia. Modern herbalist and scientific studies have found that albizia bark offers antioxidant support, and it's an adaptogen that promotes a healthy response to stress by supporting the adrenal glands. It also promotes a calm and normal mood. Albizia is considered to promote natural regulation of the HPA axis. The herb is often used to promote sleep as well as emotional and mental calmness, and it supports the body's natural balance between the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous systems. And a little deeper, we have clinical practices of Taiwan. Albizia is the most prescribed Chinese herbal medicine for insomnia, short-term insomnia, and hypnotic use for both attuant cognitive functions, especially learning memory. In previous studies, albizia exhibits a sedative activity, antidepressant-like effects, and protection of learning memory against amnesia. So the uses of albizia, it calms the spirit, moves the liver chi, insomnia, and forgetfulness, lessens irritability and excessive emotions, antidepressant, 
stomach discomfort, or pressure in the chest from excess worry and emotions. It clears heat and stops cough and wheezing for bronchitis and asthma, moves the blood, and relieves pain. Back pain, trauma, bruising, injuries, helps with blurred vision, eye redness and pain from the wind heat, and astringes the essence used as a sperm tonic in Ayurveda and sperm retentive, premature ejaculation. Interesting, eh? Yeah, for you one-pump chumps. <laughs> hey, man, that's how uh, I found it. Kidding. Where, <laughs> where do you find this plant at? Um, so, you know, it dates back to uh, ancient Chinese medicine. So it was originated in China, but it was actually found by an Italian, named by an Italian horticulturalist um, with the last name Albizia. Go figure. Um, but yeah, you'll find them all over uh, Asia and you'll find them planted throughout uh, America as well. Like I had one actually out front of my house back in Portland, Oregon a few years ago. And it was just such a beautiful tree. The leaves would fall off and the, and the flowers would go and they float around. They're pink and beautiful. I wish I would have known at that time that I could have made a tincture with it and uh, not only help me sleep, but also... I mean, it helps with your eyes. It helps with your blood. It helps with anxiety. It helps with sex. It's an incredible tree. And um, the bark is the most used for the medicine, but the flowers can also be used. And you never want to take bark off of a live tree. Um, it's kind of like going and peeling someone's skin off of their body. It's not cool. It's painful. But um, when harvesting this, they will probably take a whole tree down, um, you know, in sustainable aspects. So when you go to buy this uh this medicine, um, try to get it from an ethically and sustainable source company because, you know, it's hard with um, the mass production of things nowadays that they can tend to be un, uh, unethical with their uh, production and uh, and manufacturing. So just try to be mindful of that, if you will, humans. It's a silk tree. Yeah, yeah. Also known as silk tree. It's got many names. Science name is, <laughs> science name is Albizia, but it's also known as the mimosa tree. A lot of so people will know actually it get, in America like, as the mimosa tree. Do they actually get silk from this tree or is that it's just a name? Uh, well, because of the flowers themselves are – they're very silky, cotton ball kind of uh, – Okay. Uh, you know, dandelions turn to the, the, uh, the puff balls at the end. They kind of have that consistency to them. Yeah. Do they use it for silk? No, no. It does not produce silk. No. Okay. Yeah. That would be sick, though. It would be yet another use of this <laughs> tree, which would be crazy cool. <laughs> crazy cool. Also, yeah, I wanted man. to talk about um, uh, the plasma apocalypse. It's a new theory that I heard, um, and it ties into a lot of deep science. So I want people to look this up. Um, look up the plasma apocalypse. Very interesting. Um, Nick. Hinton has done a lot of research on it, written a couple books, um, and I'm going to give a little uh, serped from this about plasma apocalypse. So at the climax of the plasma apocalypse, even larger plasma beams will begin striking the earth like lightning, carving out new canyons and pulverizing mountains. In some places, plasma beams will liquefy the ground, causing mud floods that bury entire cities. A coronal mass ejection is a significant release of plasma accompanying magnetic field from the solar corona. They often follow solar flares and are normally present 
during a solar prominence eruption. The plasma is released into the solar wind and can be observed in a coronagraph imagery. Basically, the theory, um, when you look into mud flood stuff, of how did the entire Earth at one point get covered with mud? Um, was it through liquidification of the Earth shaking so much, causing this? Uh, but I guess you can look at this plasma release that happens through um, specific timing of the Earth's magnetic field being lessened that the the sun's plasma rays shoot through. And for people that don't know, um, our sun has a halo of plasma around it. And so that energy will come within our Earth's atmosphere. So when it lessens due to the magnetic frequency, that's when they're saying the, the, uh, the solar flares and the plasma beams will shoot down. And so it's really deep. It's a whole thing. Um, I'm not an expert on it. I literally just heard about it the other day and I've been digging into it because it's super sweet. I was like, what is that? I'm always trying to look at what caused the mud floods, you know, and that was a fun one for me. So we'll pass it off look over no to you, my brother. Than, look no further than to me, my man. I can tell you what caused the mud floods, brother. Yes. Well, with, with almost absolute certainty. Oh, I love and, and, the and, confidence. And science. Uh, they they uh, keep talking about uh, an asteroid that broke apart, that hit the Yucatan Peninsula, parts of Minnesota or Michigan, created the Great Lakes. And then there's a third one that hit somewhere else. Uh, and that hit during the Ice Age, which is what caused Atlantis to sink, which caused the Great Flood, which caused Noah's Ark and everything like that. It's all taking place in that same time period. And there is a massive ice sheet over the north area of the United States. And that broke and collapsed. Uh, if you look up uh, like Cosmographia with Randall Carlson or you listen to some Graham Hancock, they, they talk about this a lot. When the ice sheet broke, when it got hit, it liquefied turn into massive amounts of water this this ice sheet is super thick and all the water had to run somewhere and with sediment my, my thought is that everything. it probably ran through the arizona area and that's how what caused the grand canyon in the first place was this ice sheet breaking apart melting down into water and i think there's actually some in some other states where like these crazy indentations happened of of that could only occur from large amounts of water. So my theory on that whole Tartarian thing is that those buildings were probably there during the ice age in America. And they, when that flood happened, it flooded out those buildings. And then we later came and found them when we started to come back to America, because for a while uh, there was mud and everything everywhere and people couldn't actually get over to these lands from the Atlantic side. So they went to the uh, Pacific side and that's why you have Atslan over there on the coast, uh, California down to Mexico area and Peru. They went to Peru instead because they couldn't get uh, through from uh, Africa and the Mediterranean anymore into the Americas. So they went the other way. Uh, but that's just my little take on it. 
I like I mean, that. I like that. It seems seems to me because Randall Carlson focuses a lot on like really old stuff, and he has a lot of answers about um, air heating and cooling for thousands of years. And when we talk about the Great yeah, Flood, he's, he's uh, and, yeah, he's a valuable resource for a lot of those things. He he kind of researches a lot of um, cataclysmic events, and uh, you know he he does ice core samples and all that other stuff. So he's he's legit scientist, and he's definitely in the know. So when you add when you kind of start adding those legit sources and uh, trying to forming a, a, a hypothesis out of that um you can easily draw conclusions uh from the mud flood based on the breakdown of those glacial ice caps in north america sure yeah i mean i i'm, I'm sure that that there's maybe i mean i i have reason to believe that there's been many floods here through the heating and cooling of the earth for the millions of years that it has existed you know, solar flares and plasma coming through has been shown and it's been shown to have effects on earth. Right. So you have so many different aspects that are constantly happening all the time that you can't be living in the ignorance to say that, you know, it had like, there's not many reasons as to why the earth is constantly fucking changing we as humans live such a short life that we see it everything in this perfect little kind of stream of how existence is but this is only one way one blink that the earth has been in the way that we know it like one small segment you know there's so much yeah. that our eyes will have not seen in this lifetime you know and so it's like it's crazy but let, I want people to read about it. Listen to Nick Hinton. I think is cool. Randall Carlson is also an O fucking G. He's one of the guys. I heard him on Joe Rogan originally, and I he was one of the people who got me into looking into alternative history and like yeah. not necessarily like the deep academic version of history as we know it, but to actually kind of you know to to look at the alternative researchers. And after Randall Carlson, I was like mind blown. Yeah, I think a, a lot of people can't fathom the fact that um, that humans have been around for more than 10,000 years or so, you know. Uh, but when we get into the stuff that we're going to talk about on the show, uh, you, you can see that humans have been around for m millennia, thousands, hundreds of thousands of years. Uh, I mean, we, we find it in the fossil records already of of. Homo habilis, Cro-Magnon, we, we take them back, I think Cro-Magnon goes back 38,000 years. So, I mean, yeah, there's, there's, humans have been around for a long time. And I think it's naive on our part to believe that they weren't intelligent during that time. We always think of them as, as, you know, cavemen or, and like, hey, me want fire so me smash rock together type of shit when, you know and it's when really they were just more cohesive like with that. nature yeah exactly they live within nature and then so I, I was talking to somebody the other day and, and we're talking about synchronicities and synchronicities happen when you're within the laws of nature when you're going with the flow of nature you get synchronicities happen to you when you're not in the flow of nature you don't get the synchros because you're out of sync. Also with like ancient Egyptians, you know, 
we see pyramids that are uh, so-called only like from 3000 or 4000 BC, but yet these are giant monstrosities and, and people and all these pyramids all over the planet. We don't think, I don't think we really know how to date stuff properly because it's really hard to date rocks. So you have to date something within the rock. So that could just be put there by later people. And, and we're not getting the real age of these things. I think most of the time, these things have probably happened pre-flood, but because of the way we're able to date, and you can't just date a rock because it was quarried from somewhere and then brought to somewhere. So how do you, you can't really date that. So when, and let's when you not start, be, look- let's not be dating something like putting a number on is only within our understanding of our human science, our collective, like we're, it's still really new. The fact that we're able to put dates on how, old the land is and core samples even also it's like i if something catastrophic were to happen it would mix up the entire soil right and so like it would shift things if something were to impact and so it's like i mean i i think that you know when when we say oh it happened this many years ago this that it's like let's not put fucking numbers on it but let's just kind of talk within the umbrella of that time period because it's just I mean, we still have barely a concept. We live a hundred years, maybe, and then that's almost unfathomable for us to acknowledge the fact our life experience as one hundred years. So when we talk about tens of thousands of years, it's it's very very hard to kind of like funnel that into your your you know your conception, your reality. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the fact that these these monstrosities were there that long ago and there was already sciences and irrigation and like these big cities just started out with that. Like where's the learning curve? Like you should start out small and then get to these big works. Well, all so, the, all the lean twos, you know, got knocked over in the wind. You know what I mean? They weren't <laughs> built out of bricks and shit. Yeah. So Why do you keep we, saying we monstrosity? What's up with this? The- uh, what's up with monstrosities? What is that? What is that? <laughs> well, term? Mon- like like the- does that mean? That means like, mon- that sounds bad megalithic is that better for you megalith i'm just curious what why the monstrosities i was like i don't know, you know it sounds like I, a fun word to say they're they are monstrosities okay, right. they're they're huge cyclopean megaliths Ooh, ooh, yo 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 there you go there you go there you go so so you know we have to start thinking of the, in terms of we've been here for a long time we've had cataclysms that have happened that have knocked us back and uh there's some evidence of those things happening and we have to be able to understand them and not put this time period on history of only 5000 years or 6000 years or or whatever it is they they found Goblecki Tepe and Goblecki Tepe dates back to like 10000 BC so there's another one, you know. There's another monstrosity for you. Goblucky Tepe is huge. They've only <laughs> uncovered five percent of it so far. Five percent. That's what she it's, said. It's ginormous. So, um, that and that's what we want to do here on this show too is is start thinking of a longer time span and seeing how everything fits into that longer time span. Where these ancient sea peoples came from, where these you know ancient builder people, who are Mammalians. these people? Where did they come from? And 
and really try to figure out and understand the historical timeline because a lot of it gets shot down by people who only believe in the 8,000-year timeline. They say, no, that's impossible for anything to be over 8,000 years. So, therefore, whatever you say is bullshit. Well, dude, you can't – you have to look at science. Powder? You have to actually look at science and and see what science is producing, and you'll see that they're they're producing a lot more – things than what mainstream science is producing. Mermalians. And 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 mainstream science is just busting its balls basically and uh, as soon as they come out with anything relatively close to the truth they just knock it on its ass uh and and claim that it's you know can't be done or you know it's bogus or what for whatever reason because they don't want to hear it. Uh because then it then it disrupts their studies and their findings and their books that they wrote and then keeps us within the box bro it keeps us within the yeah. box confinement you know by by putting the dun, 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 nope this is how it is don't think any don't stop questioning what the timeline is you're wow. <clears throat> boom done so Keep like, you in like box, this right here Th- this is a good segue right into this story uh for rfta news Twenty five thousand year old buildings found in russia in the Caucasus Mountains of Russia, not far from the cities, uh, I can't say these words, Tzalimchik, uh, Tolapsi, Novorossiysk, and Sochi, I butchered those, by the way, there are hundreds to, of me- megalithic <laughs> monuments known. Nope, I don't even want to try again because I'll butcher them a second time. I'm a mass murderer when it comes to those fucking Russian words. Are hundreds of megalithic monuments known as dolmens. Russian and foreign archaeologists have not yet discovered their use. All these megalithic dolmens you see below in the pictures are dated from 10,000 to 25,000 years ago, according to the website Kaikion. Other archaeologists put the age of these megalithic structures at 4,000 to 6,000 years old. Exactly my point right here. So they're dating them to 25,000 years ago, but then other archaeologists are saying, no, that's impossible. We have to do a much less date because we can't fathom that it could possibly be that old because people weren't around then. Well, there's evidence everywhere to suggest otherwise. Thousands of prehistoric megalithic monuments are known throughout the world, some at least known outside the former Soviet Union. These dolmens cover the Western Caucasus on both sides of the mountain ridge in an area of approximately 12,000 square kilometers of Russia and Abkhazia. The Caucasian dolmens represent a unique type of prehistoric architecture built with precisely dressed cyclopic stone blocks. The stones were, for example, shaped into 90-degree angles to be used as corners or were curved to make a perfect circle. The monuments date between the end of the 4th millennium and the beginning of the 2nd millennium BC. Once again, they put them into that time period uh, that's digestible. While generally unknown in the rest of Europe, these Russian megaliths are equal to the great megaliths of Europe in terms of age and equally of architecture, but are still of unknown origin. 
The Caucasian domains represent a unique type of prehistoric architecture built with precisely dressed large stone blocks. The stones were, for example, shaped into 90-degree angles to be used as corners or were curved to make a circle. In spite of the variety of Caucasian monuments, they show strong similarities with megaliths from different parts of Europe and Asia, like the Iberian Peninsula, France, Great Britain, Ireland, Netherlands, Germany, Denmark, Sweden, Israel, and India. A range of hypotheses has been put forward to explain these similarities and the buildings of the megaliths on the whole, but still it remains unclear. Approximately 3,000 of these megalith monuments are known in the Western Caucasus, but more are constantly being found, while more and more are also being destroyed. Today, many are in great disrepair and will be completely lost if they are not protected from vandals and general neglect. The dolmens are found in the area of Krasnodar. Krasnodar is a city and the administrative center of the Krasnodar Kray, Russia, located on the Kuban River, about 148 kilometers northeast of the Black Sea port of Novorossiysk. There's a little bit more to the article, but I mean, that's enough. Uh, this article came from Ancient Origins, and... Um, let me see if I can find who. Link uh, in the description. Yeah, I'll send. I'll put a link in um, the show notes so people can go find it and read it on their own. There's actually some really good pictures that shows all the places where they have found these. Uh, and it's, it basically is. It's so littered. It just looks like towns, like red dots everywhere. They're like, so they're all over the place. Uh, so they, they said their original date was 25,000 years ago, but then they, uh, they brought it down into 6,000 to 8,000 years. So there you go. Caucasus and the Black Sea region. Boom. Well, uh, that's, uh, yeah, 25 G's, yo. Hey, I can, uh, <clears throat> that's easy for me to fathom. I can fathom 25,000 years ago. Really easily, yeah. Uh, Can you? <laughs> I don't know why it's so hard for these academics that went to school for many years upon the subject to understand it. Some measly peasant surf like myself can understand in the ways of of the uh, of the ancient uh, ones. Yeah, man. So interesting stuff. Totes. So that's a that's it for RFTA news. Anyways, let's uh, let's delve into some questions, buddy. How? What do you think about that? Just ten more, you know? Yeah, ten time. more, man. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Who wants to let's start? You want to start? I want to start. Uh, you go for it. You know what? I will go for it. I sure will. Let. Hold on. Let me pull it up here in this old dusty book. Uh, we're on forty-one. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. You have that uh, sheet next to you. Do you know what the score is? Um, I sure do. Yeah, I have the sheet. Um, it says I'm winning, uh, forty to zero. That's pretty. Yeah, that's wow. what I remember. Yeah. Wow. Correct. Right? Are we? No. Oh no. <laughs> no, I don't have the sheet. Um, I thought you had the sheet. That's why. <laughs> no, I don't have the sheet. You have the sheet. You know. Dog, my dog ate it. <laughs> Come on, man. 
I'm pretty sure we're tied at uh, at 40 to 40, sorry. No, we're not. <laughs> I thought we were like at 27 or 26 or... Oh, that's right. No, okay, I do remember this. I do remember being at 29, 29 at one point or something. I can't remember. I'm so terribly sorry, but let's just dive into it anyway and we'll figure out later. Let's go. Let's count from here, okay? Say uh, we're at zero and we're uh, we're going to 10. You don't know where the sheet is, dude? No, I don't think I ever had a sheet, if I'm being honest. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember. Uh Eat. I made some delicious banana bread last night if, in case anybody was curious <laughs> okay well that makes up for losing the sheet there we go um, I'll send you some in the mail alright maybe somebody can fill us in on where we were actually at um, so question 41 is magic real uh, well, I guess we have to define what we mean by magic in this sense. I don't think we mean uh, Bunnies. David Blaine and, and Chris Angel. I think magic is kind of what I was saying a little bit ago about living within the frequency of nature. When you live in that frequency, you're able to live in it and understand it and use it to your advantage. And when you're able to use it to your advantage, it can seem like magic to other people around you because you, you're you kind of flowing through it. Whereas, you know, so I think in that sense of magic, I think it's real. Uh, well, I don't think you can, like, you know, raise something from the dead or... Maybe you could walk on water if you could somehow change the molecular structure of what water is or or levitate in a way, but I, I'm not I don't know. Uh I think yeah, I I think magic is real, but some magic is just sideshow. Okay, magic is a number of things. Magic is multiple things. Magic is the manipulation of a specific environment to create something happen in the person's favor. Magic is something that's astonishing that happens like life its fucking self. Magic is the uh, the switching on of a light switch in your fucking bedroom and understanding how we manipulate electricity. You know, magic is... The every time you take a drink of beautiful water and it enlivens your body with goodness and nourishment. I think, I think life is magic. I think everything that we understand about our reality is, is that that's, you know, that's the, the wide spectrum of that. But, but on, on a, on an actual note um, of like black magic, gray magic, white magic and casting spells and such like that. I do believe all of that's real. And I think that um, it takes um, dedication and time to understand, like, you know, manifestation, manifesting stuff in your life, creating it out of nothing. That's manipulation of an environment to make it feasible for the person who started that spell or what have you. So the human power and potential, the human magic, the human is the wizard. We exist within these these it's beautiful man like magic is so real magic is more real than 
And magic is it? Mad life is magic. That's it. Answer. Boom. Done. Okay. Question forty-two. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's a point for that one. I don't. I think we're at twenty-nine. We'll just call it twenty-nine. And now we're at thirty. Beautiful. Question forty-two. California fires done by the elite. Oh man, this could go so many different ways. Uh, I'm not sure if it's necessarily started by them, but I'm sure they maybe hired people to get it done. Uh, They want to burn down certain areas so they can put up a giant railway system. I think that's how it goes. I, I don't know. I don't know a lot about it, so I can't really speculate, but um, it, it seems to be too many of them scattered all over the place at roughly the same time. And if nothing else, it's definitely negligence by, by the state to not get these fire hazards out of the way. I mean, also federal. It, yeah, it goes California on a federal makes, level. California makes a lot of money, so. Uh, I just don't understand how we don't have the resources to do these things and fix our roads. I, I drive over several potholes every fucking day. So, uh, <laughs> Only I just several? Don't, I don't get where our money goes, man. I don't understand. I thought it was so that way we could have these things. That's why we pay taxes. And I just, I just don't know where it goes. So, uh, well, don't, don't think that it goes anywhere good because, um, it goes back into the fucking churning of the, the rotting butter that is the fucking system that we have. But, yeah, I think the California fires were purposely done. But uh, nice. But I, I, I can't say anything else other than that. I, I mean, just the coincidence of so many of them all over the place, and yeah, yeah. and the way uh, the way the trees didn't burn, but the houses burned down. <laughs> And the shrubs and stuff, but I did hear because uh, the trees and stuff have water in it, so and the grass, and so it won't burn as easily. But it yeah. should be at least a little burnt, but it's not. So I'm I'm not really down into the the projectile beams from the sky thing, but I do think they're started by arsonists. Uh, purposely so you're going with your intuition bro i uh, it's you're you that's that's good that's that's fine i I agree i agree i'm on on every level we both live in california maybe it's hard for people to conceptualize what it's like if you don't live in california um but we're gonna let you know it's it's really bad i mean last year for multiple multiple days was completely blocked out sky one day was Everything was red. It was literally red. Every picture I took looked like it had a filter on it. Um, either way, um, it's. I, I believe they are set. Um, I said it goes on a federal level because there is federal coverage for these things. You know, this is they're talking. They're, they're, it's getting you know forest and land that is that is state and also federal lands that is getting right. So therefore it breaks down on a federal level. Where's the federal funding? Look how much funding we spend on so much shit. And yeah, there's literal millions of acres burning and we can't stop that, but we can go bomb other countries, 
right? So where are our priorities, right? And if our priorities are to build a railway to make money, I wouldn't hold like I yeah probably fucking is, but I will say that um, Trump at the beginning of his cycle was you know every president says we're going to work on the California wildfires and all these things, but he cut the funding for it. He cut the funding for the picking up of the trees and doing fire prevention in California because they are neglecting the funding going into the prevention of wildfires. They are promoting and making those wildfires happen because you don't have to stop them when they're happening. You can prevent them from happening altogether. Gross negligence. So it's like, yo, if this thing happens every single year, maybe let's sit down and actually try to come up with a solution. Unless we don't give a shit and we want it to continue every year because it creates some sort of distraction or money gain in that way. So that's why I think that it is set up because it's just too much, bro. Like if they give a shit, they would actually try to figure out a solution. Or you know what? Maybe they have. Maybe I I haven't done the research to find out what it is. But I do know for a fact that he did cut the funding of that. So it's 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 all bullshit. Um, but we both get a point on that for sure because we fucking live in California. So <laughs> we're yeah. gonna go to question forty three. Oh God, save the good ones for the end, eh? Ah, uh, uh, yeah, sorta. <clears throat> kidding. Was nine eleven an inside job? Man, this is so deep on so many ways, and uh, I mean, there's so many different perpetrators of this. I don't know if it was a false flag by us, ourselves, or if we knew another country was doing it, but because we bow down to them, we let them do it, or if we knew it was going to happen, and so we let it happen because... We knew that it was going to somehow be in our favor to use later. There's so many different ways, but uh, the fact that, you know, the guy took out like a huge insurance policy on the World Trade Center in case anything crashed into it, like just barely before it actually happened is fishy. the fact that the towers fell completely down at free fall speed, both of them, the only two towers in history to completely fall down after having some, a plane crash into them. There have been other towers that have had planes crash into them and they just burn. They don't fall completely down. But and they then, did, you know, if it's an inside job, they made those other planes crash into those buildings to make sure that planes were crashing into buildings so people didn't say, Wait, planes never crash into buildings. Why the fuck did this happen? Well, then there's people that were supposed to go on the plane that were, you know, government people's wives or other government (laughs) officials. And they told them not to fly that day. They got a call and said, hey, don't fly today. Something might be going down. So, and then building seven, the one that fell when nothing hit it. and. I mean, it's insane. Uh, there's there's so many things there that scream of corruption and all kinds of stuff. So was it an inside job? Yeah, I, I believe it had to be an inside job because how else do you get that much 
destruction done if it's not. And how do you start implementing the uh, new kind of uh, Patriot Act? Patriot. It's like kind of like how this all started. It was ten years before you know 2010 when they started to come out with the Agenda 2030 and the organizing of things. The small, the big, the small, the the, the, the small turns in a in a. Uh, the small roles in an avalanche, you know, like it, it, I'm trying to think of a good analogy to everything that's going on here and now in the world of every, all of the, the, just with the suffocation that's happening to the human race as a whole, um, I think started in 2001. I think it started in world war. I think it started, I can't <laughs> even give it numbers. I don't want to give it dates of anything. I think it's been I, going I, on for eons eons dude the light and the dark y'all it's yeah. a spiritual battle we're out here to to try to get everybody on the good love I frequency you, i bet you when they walked around the towers or the walls of jericho and were sounding trumpets that the motherfuckers inside the castle were like this is a fucking conspiracy <laughs> bet you dude <laughs> what the fuck is <laughs> something's going on here i bet you i mean it's been going on forever dude you know what I heard though, actually, <laughs> which makes me really think it's an inside job. Okay, they hired new plumbers, right? Yeah. And so they hired these plumbers, Mario and his brother Luigi, right? Shut and they up, come to the Twin Towers. Inside the pipes, they went, and there's an entire universe inside the pipes. Inside job, pipe job. Mario Luigi take down nine eleven. Super Mario Bros. Take it down, not a left for him. <laughs> new, 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 new miniseries I'm working on. <laughs> oh man, pipe dreams, right, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question fifty-three, forty-four. Kidding. Man. Oh, there we are. Uh, question forty-four. Hey. If you see, man, do you see 44 all over the place? Do you ever like, it's like 444, like 444, or you no. see 44? Oh, man. Maybe that's so your that, number. Have you ever done like numerology of your name or anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My name is uh, actually come out to number uh, one. Mm. Um, num- one is my number, but I do see 33 and 44 a lot. Like I see those, hmm. I used to see them freakishly a lot. Then I started paying less attention. Yeah, you know, what's funny of like, you know, the attention that you pay to certain uh, aspects of things that you're interested in change seasonally. I don't know, or, or through different periods, time periods. Uh, start paying attention to that, y'all. If you guys have hobbies or things that you find creatively interesting to spend your time with, if you find that different times of the year you're either not interested in that thing or you listen to a certain type of music and it happens to flow within the seasons, try to like for me, that happens a lot. Um, anyways, uh, question 44 Are there missing continents? Oh, God, I love this one, man. I love it, bro. Uh, yeah, there's missing continents, bro. Um, I think, you think, I think so? Atlantis, Atlantis is a missing continent. Uh, they talk about one called Mu or Lemuria. I think it's possible that that's uh, existed at one time. Uh, they have a lot of different ideas of 
where Mu or Lemuria is. I think they put it in the Pacific sometimes. Uh, sometimes they put it in the South Pacific. Sometimes they put it in the North Pacific up by Japan. Uh, I've actually seen it uh, off the east of Africa by Australia. Um, so I, I'm not sure if they really know, but apparently there there has been a lot more landmass. The water has rose 400 feet uh, since the Ice Age, I believe. So at one time, if you go 400 feet lower... And Only 400? Water, it seems like... I mean, Waters are today. Interesting. Yeah, I think it's actually like 396 or 90, 394, so approximately 400 feet. 400 feet is a lot, though. So you, you think of it all is, these... It is a lot, yeah. I'm thinking think of, about... Like when coast, like if you look at like places like uh, the coast of Washington, um, that you know twenty feet a year gets eroded on the coast, yeah. right? So I'm thinking twenty feet a year, right? That's every five years is a hundred feet, you know, and then but that's just water eroding, and that's not water raising necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Um, but well, the water you know, rose because of the ice caps melting during the ice age. Yeah, we have a yeah, they've been so icing. that's why the water rose up to that level. So, a lot of these coastal cities all got covered in water, uh, probably killed tons, hundreds of thousands, millions of people. Uh, because most people put their cities on the coastlines, uh. Because you got to live at the beach. Right? Yeah, they like to have nice little strolls down the beach at night with their shoes off and stuff. <laughs> exactly, dude. Because girls exactly. love that. Yeah. Uh, also, boys love that too. All right, sir. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they. <laughs> so do dogs. Dogs love it. Dogs really love horses, it. baby goats, yeah. uh, tiny everybody, turtles. Everybody loves the beach, man. Everybody, everybody, love. all right. Um, I, I know for a fact there's more continents. Um, you know, yes. Uh, okay. So, I, like I said before, yet again, I am not a flat earther. Okay, but I did go down not. the flat earth. You were, you were, uh, you're, you're bouncing on the fence line of it. No, I just think that the talking points, the major talking points that they have are very interesting. It's very interesting. So I like to listen to it, uh, you know, and dabble with it because it makes me think about Earth in a different way. I like to think about things in my imagination, uh, you know, and in what it's like if I were to be the plane flying out, if I'm the fucking spaceship, you know, going uh, up my body, myself, my consciousness, my intuition, right? And my intuition tells me that there is more land out there. Um, why does it tell me that? Why do I feel that? I feel that because I, I feel that everything that we're being told about what the earth is and about what humans are and uh, is, is being, we're being held down energetically because if energetically we understood that we have powers and we have we have abilities to spiritually connect and travel and and do all these you know whoop de do metaphysical things, then we won't be able to uh, keep the uh, the function going of 
the separation and the divide of that's being held and happened like through the rich and the poor and why there has to be such a big divide and separation is because there needs to be more poor people than rich people. So the poor people can make the rich people rich, right? If we're all rich, it just doesn't. Yes. Hey, yo, have you ever seen a flat fruit? Yes. What name me one flat fruit. Yeah. Not until it gets smushed and flattened. <laughs> okay. This mangoes on the side of the road, painted church Hill. No, I'm not talking about flat earth, bro. I don't think flat earth is flat. I think that there's earth is bigger and there's more land. So when we talk about Andrew bird going to Antarctica and seeing green grass, saying that he was flying around and seeing more land over there, I or it, it not being completely frozen. I think that they're at least they're lying about the fact that Antarctica is this giant piece of, of ice. Maybe they're hiding things that they're, you know, like that's what I think they're hiding. Maybe not necessarily extra land that's not ever been on Ad- maps, you know. Admiral Bird. But Admiral Bird, Antarctica yes, sorry. encompasses like the whole like South Pole though, man. Yeah. It's and, a giant landmass. I mean, ex- but because we're legal, like it's so against the law to go there. There's military bases that are there that if you were a billionaire and you wanted to go do that, and there was a guy who said he did it, they, they restrict it. It's so restricted. You're not even allowed to consider Antarctica as an option, even if you raised money your entire life to go do it because it's, it's military, military bases there. Or like people that like stop you, you know, there's border control around Antarctica. It's just highly questionable. It's it's interesting to me. But I also wanted to go back off of the Antarctica and flat earth. And I wanted to talk about the Aleutian chain. Okay. Having lived in Hawaii for a long time, um, you know, I, I really dug Polynesian settlers and their stories and stuff. And the Aleutian chain is it's a group of islands that are all underneath the water and it connects Hawaii all the way to Australia right? So those islands used to be above the land, above the water as well. So, you know, I mean, I, there's tons of continents that are, uh, that are underwater and there's also probably shit that our government and the people that are shape-shifting our fucking reality are lying to us about because, you know, why the fuck not? I don't know. Why not? Why? But you know, blah, blah, blah. Here, here's an interesting little tidbit too is, the the Norse people believed in nine realms. They said there was nine different realms. I think that realms in their their use of the word meant nine different continents, and there was different people on each of those continents. So describing the different types of people that were in those different realms, right? Like correct. the dwarves yeah. and such. Yeah, exactly. Wow, and I think. I think different types of humans came from these different nine realms, these different nine continents. And now we only have seven because of, of the great flood that destroyed Atlantis and possibly I think Lumuria got destroyed before Atlantis did. So, um, or so the story goes, uh, I'm not exactly hundred on that one, but I, I, I think that's kind of, I think that's an interesting idea, and I entertain that one. Dance with it, baby. Dance. I love it. Yeah, I love it. 
All right, all right, all right. Uh, we both get points for that. Um, question 45. Do you think Tesla technology would have improved society today? Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that's a super interesting question because a lot of people think like the pyramids and maybe the technology that they had back then is responsible for uh, the catastrophes that happened. So, but when you get into it, you figure out, you know, it's meteors and earth tilting and all these other different things. Uh, so solar, solar flares and plasma. Yeah, I forget who rays. it was, but I saw the person on Joe Rogan and they said, uh, it's a good thing that Tesla tech didn't make it because it probably would have destroyed us all. We're all worried about 5G frequency right now. Imagine all the frequencies going on if there's, you know, free energy everywhere. Who knows what kind of signals would be bombarding us all the time and maybe what different type of humans we would be morphing into uh, because of those frequencies that are constantly hitting us. We were talking about frequencies earlier and how frequencies create patterns well, when you, when you change frequencies of, of what humans live with, it changes frequency in your body and patterns within nature. So who, who Just knows? Just like the mRNA vaccines, baby. Yeah, who knows what could have happened with that, you know? So uh, do I think tes Tesla tech would have improved society? I think uh, like a lot of things, there would have been some benefits and there would have been some bad side effects also. Nice. Um, I, I think, uh, I think, I mean, Tesla technology, the, the idea or the concept of like ether energy or free energy is free energy, obviously yeah. amazing. Yeah. Like that's really good and affecting our bodies. Our, our bodies are so crazy strong, man. Like we're like, you, you see all the studies about like the Wi-Fi routers frying plants in your house, causing, you know, tumors and dogs and such. They're, they're saying the Wi-Fi routers are mm -hmm. a part of that because they emit so much. Right. But mm -hmm. we're around it and we're like be bopping around all the time. It's like, whatever we're, we're, we're are, are we though? I mean, for the most part, I mean, yeah, we're probably dying as a species. <laughs> I think so, being dumbed down. I mean, but I, I think you know, my one of my Tartaria theories is that the Tartarian civilization had this way of free energy that they were able to, you know, extend to all their people were able to access energy for free, right? And that's the though. reason they didn't, huh? They didn't share it. Well, they got squashed out because the the Holy Roman Empire or whatever, whoever was the one who actually took out the Tartarian civilization, didn't want like they wanted the to monopolize on energy. So I feel like they took out the technology, they took out the people. That was what the war was about to get their technology so they could be the rulers of the world to have hold of that oh. technology and electricity and energy and to basically oh. monopolize on that because they found out about manipulation through religion. They, they know about all the ways of manipulation and how to create, you know, feudalism and the federalism, whatever the fuck you want to call it. So my theory on that is like the big war between the Tartarian and the non-Tartarian, the pagan and the non-pagan or whatever is basically due to like getting the, the technology that they had and basically squandering it, all the information because what they do 
look at it now. We're in the information age where our data Vatican gets library. They're obsessed with information. They, they have to have all the knowledge. No one else, you know, so they suck it up. They fucking greedy. They're greedy, bro. They're fucking greedy. And they suck it all up and they take it away from everybody and they hold it all over us and they fucking make us work for them because they don't give a shit and they're hiding shit from us. They're hiding land. They're hiding our energy, our powers, all this shit, dog. I'm telling you. So like I think personally (laughs) that (laughs) – you know what I mean? That's what I feel, bro. That's what I feel. That's what got me into this shit right here, man. I mean, hey, it's it's your your opinion, bro. You're entitled. I know, to true, that. true. I'm getting, I'm getting all heated over here, dog. Yo, yeah, man, um, you're getting all, you're getting all fucking, <laughs> you're getting Alex Jones right now on some shit. Hey, gay frogs coming down. They're gonna come stay. The, the, the anti reptilians <laughs> are living inside the earth. They're taking children. They're having them underground in the tunnels, and then they're going to the ice caps. And with Jeffrey Epstein on a spaceship all the way to Mars, they go into the inside of Mars, take out the brainstem of children, drinking the necrophiliac nephilism corpse coming down. Then they're gonna open up the wide okay jesus god sorry Damn, that's my dude. alex jones you just channel him right there or what? <laughs> drinking bath soap and uh <laughs> coffee at the same time injecting saline solution into my scrotum while i poop up the window shield of my suburban 1993 cadillac wayne's world um sorry, I'm gonna, sorry. please delete uh, not, all of that i'm gonna take a no point on that one just because I think it would be good and bad. I don't necessarily think it would Im- improve society as a whole. I think there would have been consequences around it also. So I don't think it's like this glorious thing that everybody thinks it might have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, 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 I do vibe with that though too, man. I, I really do. I I, th- I hear where you're coming from and it's it's uh yeah, it's concerning, I feel like. The grass is always greener on the other side until you're on that side and then you realize how shitty it is. <laughs> and you look back on the other side and say, wow, it's way greener on the other side. Where is that? Oh, that's just where I came from. Oh. What's just that? Yeah. Wow. All right. Uh, number 46 was Marilyn Monroe suicided. Yes, she was suicided because after we dated, she was so heartbroken <laughs> because I'm such an amazing lover um, that – no, honestly, dude, I have, I have no idea. I've never even heard of the Marilyn Monroe thing. But look, let me just say – let me say why I'm going to say she suicided is because she was a major Hollywood star and I don't know, sacrifice or she was learned a secret or something. I And so I'm just going to assume, just like many of the other uh, famous people, she was probably killed. But made it she look was, like a suicide. She was having an affair with JFK. And oh, that's right. Oh, shit. Some people say that she had knowledge of stuff because he told her uh, about certain things she wasn't supposed to know. And then she was going to come out and say everything, and that maybe uh, she got suicided for that. But all I guess they she they found her in her bedroom with pills all over the place. The pills that were there weren't isn't what killed her. So something something else killed her. I can't re- recall exactly what. It's been a it's been a minute since I definitely I've, not JFK's uh, wife heard right? this story. No, not his wife. His wife was. Uh, Jacqueline 
Kennedy Onassis, right? They made I a movie don't know about what that her means. recently. Okay. Uh, was oh, she suicided? Wow. Yeah, she was suicided. All right. So for sure, we get a point for that one. Next up, Beach had to go. Was Shakespeare a group of people, like a production company, like a clan of or, puppets, or was it an individual, just one person? Um, <laughs> oh, fuck, man. Yet again, another one that I have. Okay, yeah. so I did theater in high school and a little bit in college because your boy can be good on stage. <laughs> hey, but um, on this, uh, I actually do not. Um, I have heard that. I've heard that. It, I think it was one guy, man. Like it was pro- like, yeah, he was. He had a lot of. He was well diverse, and he a lot of the stuff was completely. You know, kind of so different say, or whatever, but yeah, go, you go. Uh, you, they, I, I take an L on that, bro. They say Bill Shakespeare was illiterate and was never learned how to read. But so we share. Okay, I yeah, playwright. I understand. They think that Shakespeare was the actor, and that uh, Francis Bacon and a few other people were actually writing these plays and producing them, basically, and Shakespeare was the one doing it. And Shakespeare was a conglomerate of people. And then Shakespeare has to do with these different gods that held the spear. I forget which ones they were. It's been a minute since I dug into this one too. Uh, But there's some stuff on YouTube about Shakespeare. I think people should go to it. Go check it out. There's all these different hidden codes and stuff in the in the different plays and stuff and this one guy follows it all around to different stuff and finds all kinds of crazy stuff it's super interesting little little thread that people should check out um it's interesting because a lot of people think francis bacon was involved in all kinds of things and that even he's partially responsible for writing the King James version of the Bible. I've heard also. So there's a lot of stuff surrounding bacon is obsessed and, uh, the Shakespeare thing. And, uh, so, Whoa, Shakespeare bacon. What's shaking bacon. <laughs> what's shaking the bacon? term? What's shaking bacon? The term. <laughs> That's where That's it comes a t-shirt from huh? right there. That's, That's probably where it comes from. That's a t-shirt. What's shaking bacon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy, man. Like, okay, so, it, okay, I don't know why this picture came to my head, but did you ever watch any uh, G, uh, Kev, uh, Kevin Smith movies? Like uh, Mallrats, mm-hmm. Dogma. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, it's kind of like how Jay is like the main character, but he's kind of this illiterate, right? But the uh, Silent Bob is the, the one who writes and directs the whole movie. Well, yeah. Jay's out. You know, it's kind of like that popped into my head for some reason. Huh. That, yeah, that's um, a, yeah that, interesting. No, like, I mean, maybe, yeah, like it's, it's kind of, maybe so that was a thing. was Silent Bob. Yeah. Who knows? All right. <laughs> yeah. Let's go with that. Shakespeare was Silent Bob. 15 bucks, little man, put that up in my hand. If that money doesn't show, then you owe me, owe me, oh, my jungle love. <laughs> Classic movie, man. <laughs> Number 48 is uh, 
Tupac Still Alive. Was East Coast versus West Coast real? Was it real heat or was it? Did uh, you just ask Creed? me if Tupac is still alive? I did ask you that. Yeah, you man. did just ask me that. Okay. If Tupac's still alive, I hope he's doing good. And I hope that, you know, he was able to bring some peace and justice, man. Because, like, fake his own death because people were coming after him. Was it, like, a gangster shit or was it on an esoteric level? Like, who was coming after Tupac? Was it the man or was it the boys on the East Coast, you know, was it Biggie, Biggie's boys, like as they say. So, um, fuck, yeah. dude, I, I don't know. I don't know. People see, I saw this video clip of like Tupac being seen at like a gas station or something. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, what? You know, you see all these threads and shit, bro. And it's just like, it goes back to the Paul McCartney thing, right? Yeah. Faking the death there, you know. And But this time they didn't replace him you know they didn't replace him but you know in hip-hop uh and music in general you know people get taken out all the time by by the record companies by the people who make the money i don't know what it is but there's a lot of musicians who get taken out for whatever reason at a certain point in their career to either silence them or something because i think once you get too dick deep into the um, to the rich culture and to where you start knowing a lot of people with a lot of money, you start hearing things. Once you start to know a certain amount of information and they find you to be uh, <clears throat> uh, able to leak that information or be able to use that or they just don't fucking trust you knowing that information, they'll probably take your ass out because they can. And I think he's actually gone, unfortunately, because I want him to be alive. That would be really great, you know, but like I, I'm a person who believes in, uh, in, in the human spirit continuing forth after this existence. So, but I think that, um, no, he's probably dead because that just fucking happens when you get too rich and people don't like you, you know, I, I think he got taken out. I would also want Mac Dre to still be alive too. I don't know if, you know. Mac Dre, uh, you know, my boy Mac Miller, uh, Nipsey, you know what I mean? Like, I want Bradley from Sublime to be alive. Bradley Knoll, dude. God was an amazing mm. songwriter. God, like, he didn't even get to experience the fame of Sublime. And I think if Bradley Knoll, I'm really sorry. I don't want to disrespect Tupac by any way, shape, or form. But um, – if Bradley Knoll was still alive to this day with the music he was starting to make and understanding how that was going to work, he would be a fucking staple in music world. Bradley Knoll would be the, he would probably be a He would have produced so many fucking bands and artists. He loved hip hop, reggae, punk. God, man, that guy's one of my favorite people of all time. If we could somehow do an episode on that completely diversion of everything else would be really cool <laughs> just because that's you know that's our generation that's like the time period like i yeah, love man. sublime um and bradley but yes please i i do think i think the box dead i think he's dead all right um so i think uh tupac still lives on but he lives on through his music i think oh, him as a nice. person he's gone but his music still lives on and we still have yes. that uh from him uh i think uh he he wrote um 
he had an album called Caluminati, which I mean, <laughs> use killing about killing the Illuminati. Like he was maybe pressured by them to, uh, you know, to do certain things or something because he was a, a rebel against it. He didn't want to conform to what they wanted him to talk about. Uh, a lot of his songs are really deep, and they're not just about drugs. They're they're about no, what dude, happened, was what was going on, uh, you know, his community and what he saw. And I think it opened a lot of people's eyes up to what was really going on in the ghettos, in the hood, and in, in these areas of Los Angeles. And I think, um, and you know, he was from uh, the East Coast. Uh, he was from Baltimore. And he came to, he actually went to Juilliard and he met, mm-hmm. uh, he met Halle Berry there. Uh, yeah. so he was, he was in the game, man. So he could, who knows? He could have been a political pawn or he was a revolutionary. And, uh, another interesting thing about him is his middle name was Amaru, uh, which means shining serpent. Um, his mom named him Tupac Amaru Shakur. The name Tupac Amaru comes from the Quechua name Tupac Amaru. Quechua is a common indigenous language spoken in Peru and Andes. Its loose translation is Sierpe Resplendiciente, which translates to the Shining Serpent. Tupac Amaru was a Latin American 16th century native monarch, also known as the last Sapa Inca or Sapa Inca ruler of the Cusco kingdom. That's an so, incredibly deep name, honestly. Like, was his mom like a history buff or something? Or, damn. Uh, yeah, she named that's, him. That's, uh, well, his dad was, his father was a Black Panther, and his mom was also in, in that. But after her father, his father got imprisoned. Uh, his mom started doing crack. Are both of his parents passed away? I don't know. Interesting. Wow. Because if his father was a black pan, man, what a, what a cool lineage of like interesting fucking like, dude, your dad was a black Panther. That's so interesting. I love black Panther. That whole time period of shit was like incredible, like incredible time period in human history if you ask me yeah it is it is i agree i think i i I sometimes wonder if the east and west coast beef part of it was was manipulated just to get record sales or maybe if somebody in the government was trying to make tupac think that he was uh you know something was going to happen to him by somebody else i i I don't know I, i remember one of the songs starts off with a woman going Look at your motherfucking daddy sitting there looking out the motherfucking window all day with his AK. He's super paranoid about shit. Like somebody was always coming after him. Somebody wanted that spot, you know, fucking king of the hill. Somebody, somebody's going to come try to overthrow you when you're on top, when you're the champ, you know? Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. And that, that happens on a local level, on a, on the East West level. Like it just fucking happens, man. No matter where you're at. Something I'll hate, you know, but yeah, um, yeah, dude. I think we both get both get a point on that one. Uh, no, we don't get any I points. Too, 
Or I don't think he's still alive, so therefore I've I been... don't get a point. 49. Are all conspiracies connected? Through the human consciousness? Definitely. Um, are all the threads connected to the same needle of human consciousness? Definitely. I don't think so, man. Like, I think, I think there are definite separations within, but the ones that I do think are all connected, all tie down to the deep spiritual battle that is ever long and effervescent of the light and the dark, the people that are always trying to take over the world and run and rule over everybody compared to the people who are just trying to live in harmony, you know, and that's, that's kind of where, um, you know, I, I don't think they're all connected. I think they're, there's separation there. Um, I don't tie a flat earth to plasma apocalypse or whatever, <laughs> if, if you will, <laughs> you know? All right. Uh, yeah, are all spirits connected? Um, no, probably not. I think, yeah. I think groups of people conspire to do different things, and it definitely, some of the things that they do change history and the direction history goes and the way our future is presented to us. But that doesn't mean they are all connected from the same group of people. But you never know, perhaps... They are. Ooh. You said it. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. Who knows? Who uh, so none of us get a point. There. <laughs> number 50. I, I, don't really, I don't really like this question. I kind of want to change Aww. this question to something else. Aww. Aww. Just because I think it's so... It's pretty obvious what we're going to say for this answer. And uh, I just don't really want to get in the weeds on this bullshit. Uh, but here it is for the people. Will you take here we go, the vaccine? Weeds. Number vaccine? 50. Oh, hell yeah. I will take Number it 50. in my mouth. Yes. <laughs> Final question. Way, Way to end it. End it on a bang, bro. End it on a bang. Uh, yeah, man, I'm going to take the vaccine. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it and I'm going to fucking throw it into the trash <laughs> where it belongs. Okay. I am definitely not taking that shit. And I'll tell yeah. you why. Because it's part of a giant psyop. I don't care about putting in the weeds of anything at all. I will state my opinion and the safety and concern of the humans for a something that is a 98% survival rate for anybody over the age of 30, if you're under 30, it's even less, okay? Why take something that has already proven to get multiple hundreds of people sick and it's an experimental vaccine? Hmm, this doesn't seem logical to me. So I'm not going to fucking take it. And I would hope that people would stand up for once in their life to anybody or anything and have a spine and say, you know what, why don't we just push all this shit through and get back to what we were doing. Sorry. Okay. No, I don't want to give Van Deber into it. I will not take the vaccine. I'll never take the fucking vaccine. I will never take it. They have to kill me to take it. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm kind of going to geek out on this one and say, you know what? I've already have it. Yeah. It's really up to you to make the decision for yourself. Don't listen to a couple knuckleheads. 
if if it makes sense for you, then do it. If it doesn't make sense, then don't do it. I mean, wait, you got it? I didn't get the vaccine. I got the fucking virus, dude. Oh shit, that's right. I got yeah. I got COVID from him. <laughs> I already had COVID, so what the fuck's the vaccine gonna do for me? I already got it, dude. <laughs> and he's healthy. Look at him. Oh no, I'm not. Look at my face. It doesn't work. Hey, no, he's supposed to. Wait for real. Yeah. Your face works fine. No, look at Oh, uh, see? This doesn't work. You're smiling. You have a beautiful face. You're winking really? at me? Uh, yeah, um, I wink all the time because this side doesn't work very well either. Are you doing <laughs> your yogas? Yogas? Yeah, are you doing your yogas? I eat some yogas with some fruit. <laughs> are you doing your yoga bowls every morning? <laughs> I like some fruits and yogas. Yeah, <laughs> you're doing your parfait yoga, your hot yogi, your <laughs> hot yogurt. Love, um, fucking love parfait. Do you ever uh, get jaw massages or face massages? I get no, I don't, but I get cramps oh. like right here in my where my jawbone is between my ear and my jaw. Yeah, I get. Do if you I talk try a to lot? Smile too much. If I try to talk, do you wear a lot, a lot of Bluetooth headphones? <laughs> yeah. Bluetooth headphones. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let me tell you something. There's a lot of muscles in the face, and they're small, right? So there's uh-huh. a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, fascia that can get built up in certain areas for bodies. So I, I think maybe less of a COVID situation, but more of like maybe a buildup of fascia, um, and uh, it, it, a lot of people get built up jaw muscle tension. So if you it. work. Huh? I got it a week. I got it like within a week after I got sick. I don't know. All I know is that you should start having your girlfriend ask her politely, say, "Hey, baby, I love you so much. You know I do, baby. Won't you rub upon my jaws because <laughs> I need some?" And have her pull on your ears a little bit. Get behind the ears. Oh, get ears. a. Do you want to read uh, the point systems, or do you think anybody's really keeping track of this shit? <laughs> Nah, it's all good, man. I think what I think we should do is we'll wrap it up by you going into um, what we're going to talk about in the episode, uh, uh, The Tribe of Dan. Let's uh, take a break, and then we'll get to that. Welcome back to Rising 
from the ashes. All right, we're going to get into some Tribe of Dan. You ready for that, man? Dude, I am so ready. So ready, my brother. All right, man. So I was saying in episode one, I was talking about this, and part of it got cut out and it got all jumbled up, and I couldn't use most of it. But So I'm going to try to tell you from how I found it, how I got into it, and how it was all kind of revealed to me. And so I was watching a video of Billy Carson on the George Norrie show on Gaia. And I remember in the interview, Billy Carson said, we have to find out who these serpent people are. And, you know, in, in the conspiracy culture and, and everything, you always hear about the serpent people or the shining ones or the Illuminati or whatever. But in ancient times, there was actual like people they called the serpent people there was snakes and the plume serpent of like the mayas and inca cultures and stuff there was these serpent people that were you know going around and seeding civilizations and what i wanted to do was try to figure out who they were but i wanted to try to figure out who they were in reality, in in real life, not like, oh, they must have been like these walking lizard people or whatever. Uh, <laughs> so what I wanted to do is because this, this genre is so filled with like symbolism and everything and magic and occult type stuff. And uh, I wanted to see if I could find it that way and take out the religious aspect and take out the ancient alien aspect and like actually walking lizard people and see if I could find culturally, if I could find the serpent people. So what I did is um, based on my name, Daniel, which means judged by God I have spent time looking at the Bible and I know about the 13 tribes of Israel. And so I knew the tribe of Dan was represented as a snake. So I kind of started off on that one path, right? So the tribe of Dan is represented by a snake, eagle, and a horse. In Genesis 49, 16, it says, Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, an adder in the path that biteth the horse heels so that his rider shall fall backwards. So to me, what that is saying is this, this tribe of Dan isn't going to directly cause harm to the rider, but it's going to affect its surroundings in a negative way, which will in part make it harder for the rider to get to wherever it's trying to go. Right. Think about that. And nowadays, since 
like when we talk about these elite people or the Illuminati, what are they, what are they really doing? They're putting obstacles in our way for us to overcome so that we can get to that next next level. What is the next level? So the next level is spiritual awakening and understanding of love and the universe, man. Yes. So the tribe of Dan were granted the seaside land of Israel, which is where the city of Tyre is, which was also a Phoenician city later on. Uh, the tribe of Dan fell from the kingdom of God, the fall. So you got the fall right there. They fell from the kingdom of God because they no longer worshipped God. They started to worship the pagan deities of Canaanites. and Those damn deities. Yeah, and other ones. And also the goddess Danu, which is where you get the name Danube, the Danube River in the Black Sea. When you try to follow this tribe of Dan around, you you notice all these places with the Dan name in it. Well, in so in ancient Hebrew, they didn't have any vowels, right? So anything that you see as a D and an N could have been Don, Dan, Din, all kinds of different ways. So you have the Danube River that connects into this Black Sea area. So there's the Danube River, the Dnieper River, the Dinister River. So like I said before, the D and the N, you just add, you know, A or O between uh, those letters. So you, you can follow them all the way around all kinds of places to... Jordan, the Sudan, Sardinia. There's a place called Donia. Uh, I think there was one called Tardan. Uh, there's Teldan. There's all kinds of these different places named Dan. Denmark means Dan's Mark. You get all the way up even into Denmark with these names. And the Danube River runs from the Black Sea straight through Bulgaria, Romania, and I think it goes up into France. That Once you get up into that area, then it connects with these group of people called the Twatha de Danan. They invaded Ireland, and it was said by the Irish that they came from somewhere to the east. It doesn't necessarily say the Middle East, but apparently there's connections to Hebrew writing. Uh, it connects to the god Tyr, T-Y-R, which is a Norse god, which came from the capital of where Dan was in Israel, uh, which was called Tyre, which was spelled T-Y-R-E, but the god in Norse language was spelled T-Y-R. So it connects to there. So then, so what you have is presumably these, this Israel tribe that leaves the land of Israel and kind of forms its own, own thing. It's got its own thing going on. And it kind of goes around and claims land for themselves. 
Uh, there's also stuff that suggests that Alexander the Great was descendant of the tribe of Dan. Most people think Dan is going to be the Antichrist uh, in the last days. And uh, the tribe of Dan have connections to the Greeks, the Irish, and the Scottish, and the Danes. So they were known as the judges. So in biblical times, they would call on these judges to come in and say whether a city was worthy or not. This was the tribe of Dan. They they got to judge the other Israelite tribes, which seems weird because why would the tribe that left grace of God be the ones judging the other tribes? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, it's probably because uh, why they left, eh? <laughs> uh, well, they left because they they didn't they wanted to go worship the other gods and live with the Canaanites and uh, learn from them and instead of worshiping the one God and bowing down to him, I guess. So they chose, chose to bow down to a goddess, Daniel. She's like a forest goddess who is, it's all about nature. And she, she wears a big horned headdress. So then when you look into the Twatha de Danan, the people that raided Ireland, they said that these people were tall, shiny, white people. So why would Israelite tribes be Caucasian-looking? That doesn't make much sense either. Uh, but maybe because the tribe of Dan, like, you know how people say all these different tribes came out of Israel, the 13 tribes? Maybe... That was just their mythology, but maybe they actually came from all different areas. Uh, or maybe they were the survivors of Atlantis, and Atlantis was already a mixed population, and each one of these chieftain gods had its own complexion or whatever you want to call it. And then they each took different towns in the the area of Israel out of the 13 tribes, uh, which is the least or like the most esoteric, if you will, is the tribe of Dan pretty well researched or is it like trying to be kind of almost hidden, um, uh, to, you know, to history or, or what, what's the, what's the haps on that? Um, they don't, it's, it's really kind of hard to find any information outside of of the Bible about the tribes, I guess. And when you do find it, it's always kind of biased based on the people that writing it. Because, tribe, yeah, yeah, because they they want this to be true about them, and they don't want this. So it, you have to really read between the lines of what's there. So they're Caucasian-looking people, right? Then you get into like who the Anglos were, and that's all these same people. They these were the Anglos, and you get into Ang England. England was named after the Anglos. It was called Angland, and Ireland was named after these peoples. Also, it was called the Ari Land. 
which is also representation of Tartarian, the Tartarian people, the kingdom of Tartaria. So when people talk about Tartaria and they talk about mud floods and this and that, to me, Tartaria is the land between the Black Sea, the Caspian Sea, parts of Turkey surrounding the Black Sea and the steppes of Russia and up into Moscow of Russia. It's a pretty big landmass, and that is supposedly where these Dan people um, kind of were situated around in these different little colony states, I guess, in all these different areas. It was multicultural area, and they all would learn from each other, and they would kind of raid the other different lands. There's even kings of... Uh, I guess, what do you call the people of Rome that ruled uh, the Caesars, the Czars, the Caesars, see, so Czar, that's like a Russian thing. There's even some of them that became kings of Rome. Constantine II, Justinian, what's his name? Justinian something. When you look more into like that word to Anglo, uh, you start to see that it's a derivative of the word angel. And I have an article here about exactly that. It says, the name angle of the Anglo-Saxons may also connote divine messenger. The angels gave their name to England and to the Anglo-Saxons in general. They were also known as a meaning bull-calf, and confirming their identification with the Israelite tribe of Ephraim. Another connotation of their name is angel, meaning divine emissary or agent. The ten tribes had a task to fulfill. They were agents of the Almighty. In a biblical sense, they were like angels. So it goes on to say, angle means corner or edge in some European tongues, including English. It may ultimately derive from the Hebrew agol, pronounced as angel, which can mean circle or turn. The same Hebrew word means a young bull calf, probably since a young calf runs around in circles and frolics. The Angles and Saxons were the leading peoples who conquered the area of England from the British Celts. England was named after the Angels and literally means Angleland. So you have these connections of Angles to Caucasian-looking people. And in ancient times, angels didn't necessarily even have wings on them. They were later given wings. And so one of the things that I came across, too, when, when looking at that and figuring that out, is we have the word archons, right? These are these gods that try to hold everybody down and don't let anybody get anywhere. You know, it's more of an esoteric thing, I believe. Uh, but you have archons, archangels. And so this is what I came up with is that 
the arc is the Arctic Circle. And I just, you saw where I just read it said the word angel can mean circle or turn. So if you call it an archangel, well, that's an arc circle, an Arctic Circle. So then I started to realize that maybe, maybe these Caucasian looking people were known as angels or Anglos and that some of them came from the Arctic Circle from the north. Whoa. <laughs> Interesting. And then when you get into like Atlantis stuff, uh, Poseidon in Norse language is known as Nord. The equivalent of the Nordic Poseidon is Nord. Nordic, the Nordic people. So, at, and Atlantis was the civilization ruled by Atlas, which was the son of Poseidon. So, so then you get this connection to Atlantis with these Nordic people also. And even the word Elvin, uh, this connects into. Uh, the Acer and the Vaughn. Isn't the uh, the at, at, of the Norse Atlantis like by um, the Bach saga says that basically Atlantis and Helsinki they're they're right up there in that region, right? So that would correct, yeah, tie into their theology yeah. like that. Yep, that would be part of the Atlantic, and possibly they. Uh, they were known as the sea people, so they traveled around in ships and boats. And who were the most technologically Vikings. advanced in boat building? Nordic Vikings. Yeah, exactly. So there's possibly chains of islands all down through that area, uh, connecting in into the Nordic regions: Greenland and Finland and Ireland and Scotland, uh, England. When we get more into Bach Saga and some other stuff, you can really start to see like this whole trade trade thing was a super big thing back then. Um, and this is during the Ice Age. This is before Atlantis civilization got destroyed. They were already trading with all these other communities. In fact, they say that a lot of these stories of like these giant sea monsters were created by these seafaring people. They would tell them like, if you go through the Pillars of Hercules, you're going to get swallowed up by a giant kraken. You know, you're going to get destroyed. So they would keep them in fear from ever going through those pillars. But yet they would go over there and possibly even go to America, North America, have, South they America. Have, they would anchor down on the, on the, uh, on the trade game. They wouldn't allow anyone else to, uh, that's why, honestly, like right. I want to be, I want to be a little transparent here because when you look at all the offshore banking that happens, it all goes uh -huh. through where Sweden and that area, right? And that's where a lot of uh, Sweden, the um, yeah, yeah, that's where yeah, they Sweden. the main. So like that tied with the current yeah. stronghold. How and also, where's, where's the World Trade meeting held every year? Is it the World Sweden. Trade? What's it called? The World Economic Forum? Yeah, where's that held every year? 
uh, I don't know, probably somewhere in 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 the Nords, in the uh, the Nordic it's, lands, it's in Helsinki. <laughs> Helsinki. See, there you go. That's uh, it. Kind of ties into this old, uh, you know, the the way of the one world order kind of. Uh, yeah. The, the world, the world elitist, like the rich, rich, rich people. Um, I've always been mm-hmm. white people. I've always been super fucking white. <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's why it ties into the the UK too, and the king and queen. Exactly. Uh, there in England, you know, and the England yes. control is one of the controlling powers of the world. One of any, damn near the, if not the controlling power of the world. Yeah. They don't really have any exports or anything. So how are they so rich and well off? Well, it's because they use everybody else to get that way. Exactly. They've been, and they've been doing that shit for, I mean, ever basically. I, I, um, I, and then that's why they're so concerned with the bloodlines. And then this connects also back into that thing where we're talking about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle on Oprah and how Princess Diana may have died, you know, from the mixing of the bloodline. They really, really don't like it. They, they have a, a super big problem with it. And it's, there's got to be something more behind it than just, you know, racism. No, it's I mean, probably due to the, this spiritual battle in which we are referencing commonly, you know, holding on to the, uh, the, pa- the plan. There's like a plan that's been play probably for, for uh, thousands of years that's been held down from family. And if they, start to go outside of that plan, then everything will crumble and their lives will be, you know, they, they, they're spreading out the wealth to different families. You know, it's, it's more, it's less predictable maybe of like a path if they step outside and start interbreeding with random fucking people. Right. And then if you really want to look at it too, if you go to the Bible in Genesis 6, it goes into how the fallen angels came down to the land and they mated with human women. Why are they considered, you know, human? Why was there a distinction between the angels and the humans? I don't think really it was more yeah, yeah. really of that. It was more of a distinction between the fact that there's these caucasoid looking uh-huh. people mixing with these tropical people. There was this, there's this very, they're so concerned with nature and everything that they felt in their, in their eyes, not mine. Intimidated. I'm not, I'm not saying that I, you know, believe the same way they do, but they believe that mixing your, racial background was against nature. And you can also get this from the Bible because that was Satan's fall, right? Satan was part of those fallen angels and he was having sex with these other mortal women. And God sent a flood and said, no, these are abominations. These have to be wiped off. That was the fall from heaven. That's why he got kicked out because he was mating that was happening. If you look at the beginning of the Bible, that's why they go so deep into bloodlines 
and who everybody came from because they they want to show who the pure people are right yeah exactly i mean these are all just things that come from religious connotation so what we have to do is we have to look at other texts other religious ideas other uh myths and legends and tales and see if we can pull out some of these other things contextually and see a different side of it because to me I think the 13 tribes is just a representation of the 13 zodiacal ages. And the 13th tribe was the 13th zodiac, which was known as Ophiuchus. I believe that was it. Ophiuchus. And it was the symbol of a man with a serpent. That symbol, because of the tilt, was no longer needed. It only exists for like a month and a half. I believe, and so they took that 13th symbol out, which is a representation of kicking the tribe of Dan out of the zodiacal wheel. And then what you get is the 12 symbols of the zodiac, which is where you get the 12 apostles, the 12 members of the Olympians that can sit on Mount Olympus, you know, there always had to be 12. So even in the Bible, when you look at the, the tribes, when one tribe would leave or go somewhere else, they would just split up another tribe so that there would always be 12. So I, I think it has more of symbolism to do with that than actually uh, groups of people. But, I mean, it could be both. It could be could be so many different things. History is so convoluted. It's really hard to decipher what a lot of these things actually mean. And 13 planets, including the five dwarf planets, if you want. Oh, yeah. The 12 and sometimes 13. Yeah, you have the, you know, the oh. classic eight, and then you have the five dwarf planets, Ceres, Pluto, uh, Haumea, <clears throat> Makamake, and Eris. Oh, what's the name for the Big Dipper, too? There's another name for the Big Dipper. Uh, there's an old name for it. So anyways, when you when you hear, too, that, you know, our descendants, they, they say they came from the stars or that they came from uh, the big, the Orion's belt. The big buying wall. Well, Orion's Belt is part of Ursa Major, which is right directly over the North Pole. And if you follow the two stars on the on the like the basket part of the Dipper, and you go straight up from there, you can find Polaris, which is the North Star. So then you got this North Star reference. So when you're sitting at the top of the planet, because in Bach Saga, they said. Uh, the top of the planet, the North Pole, was the paradise uh, that was talked about and that there was no wobble to the earth. Everything was straight up and down north to south. And so when the earth spun, the sun would hit directly on the top of the planet and it would create a paradise area, which would be your Garden of Eden, or even you could think of it as Sweden. Sweet Eden, Sven's Eden, Vin's Eden, uh, yeah, Vin's Eden. So that 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 was 
So according to Box Saga, this is the paradise time. And I looked up, uh, I was looking up the polls and stuff, and it, and it did say that if everything was north to south and we didn't have a wobble, that it would be a, more of a tropical climate at the North Pole. It wouldn't freeze over. So it's scientifically possible for that to be a true story. So then you have this paradise time in the north and everybody, they say, well, I don't know how much I want to get into box saga right now. I kind of want a whole episode just for box saga. I'm also going to say it's almost midnight and we've been going from three hours. Have we? Uh, We got, yeah, we got about two and a half hours right now. But uh, my brain cognitively is ready to start going like winding down (laughs) so I can, uh, uh, you know, as we go deeper, it's, it's, uh, yeah, you know, Um, but I, I think we're at a good cap off point. Personally, we got you got deep into Dan. We you pretty deep on a description of Dan. Um, and you want to, you know, we got the whole episode and coming up. We got that questions. We got the RFTA news. I think we did good today, sir. Yeah, man. Um, in the future, I'm going to bring some more information and more articles and more parts of books and other evidence to support these things. So they're not just, uh, whatever lock it out into sections. Yeah. Whatever I'm, I'm saying and trying to make sense of in my head, I do have a lot of materials that, you know, back up these claims, even though I'm not very good at getting it all out there. I think you're doing great. I'm fucking stoked. I'm just getting kind of tired. Honestly, it's almost midnight (laughs) night. I usually am in bed at this point, bro. Yeah, man, for sure. I, I usually stay up till midnight, so it's almost my bedtime. Nice. Uh, but, yeah, but I definitely want to do some more information and more research on it or another uh, podcast episode that goes really deep into all this and talks about it more. And then we got an uh, interview coming up with <gasps> somebody who's going to talk soon. Sumerian with us. Interview, Uh, baby. Getting someone on the show. So that's going to be really exciting. I can bring a lot of box saga stuff and a lot of this ideas into the Sumerian. And possibly Uh, a couple other interviews coming up after that, right? So we got some stuff planned. We got some good stuff in store. Yeah, we got some fun ones. We're going to kind of switch it up and do some interviews. And we're going to do kind of our own thing and kind of, you know, do whatever's clever, baby. Yeah, we, we have the next couple of months kind of like going. If we if we keep it up and keep it good and everyone, uh, you know, stoked on listening, man, we're going to be doing this shit for a minute. Thank you for joining us. And Thank we you hope so to much. see you again on the hope next. Hope to see you soon. So until next time. <laughs> next time. Rise up. Rise up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Rise up.